Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Business Processes Simplified podcast. It's David Jennings here, your host, with a short audio note to let you know the episode you're about to listen to with Michael Gerber from the Emith fame was originally recorded in two parts. For this episode, we've gone ahead and combined those together just to make it easier for your listening. Now, one other thing you'll note is in the first part of the audio, it's not quite up to the standard that we normally like to record in, but the quality is so great and it's an interview with the original godfather of business systems that I can't not share it with you. So please stick with it. I know you're going to love the episode and be sure to check out the website systemhub.com forward slash podcast for the additional show notes. Let's jump into the episode. Hi, it's David Jennings here from systemhub.com and I'm so excited to be having an interview series with Michael E. Gerber. Now, Michael is one of those business names that doesn't really need an introduction. If you've been in the business world, you've come across his work. He's written 29 books in the E-Myth series and has been featured in every major publication from the New York Times to Business Week to Inc. Magazine to Fortune, Forbes, Wired. The Wall Street Journal even named the E-Myth as the number one selling business of book of all time. It's literally sold over 5 million copies in 145 countries, been translated into 29 different languages and is taught in over 118 universities. So this guy, when it comes to business, just uh, has a, a different way of approaching and thinking about business growth. Pretty much single-handedly developed the business coaching industry way back in 1977. So very excited to be talking with Michael and we're going to dive deep into his new process uh, which is all surrounding beyond the e-myth and this for me comes off the back of attending his event the new dreaming room and I've just gotten back to Australia and had a chance to let it kind of assimilate into my life and start to share some of the insights that we've got and I thought I've really got to go deeper with Michael to understand this process and really help to spread the message so that's how I've sort of lined up this interview series and we're going to start off by giving an overview and so you get an understanding of this new approach under Beyond the E-Myth and uh, from there we'll actually go through the different stages and process of building a company of one through to a company of a thousand. So firstly, Michael, I'd just like to welcome you to the call and thank you very much for your time. I know it's very precious and uh, there's a lot of demands on it so I appreciate the time. Well, it's my delight, Dave, and and thank you for taking the time with me. But I think we both know that the conversation we're going to have is truly an earmark, you might say, for the transformation of business development worldwide. And while that in one hand might sound arrogant to the people who are listening to us, I know you know, and I hope for them to know that it really isn't arrogant that when I had that same mindset in 1977, 
at the outset of my small business development career, I'd like to call it, I had a dream, I had a vision, I had a purpose, and I had a mission. They were said exactly like that. My dream in 1977 was to transform the state of small business worldwide. My vision was to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting. My purpose was that every independently owned small business could be as successful in their operation as a McDonald's franchise could and is. And finally, my mission was to invent a business development system that could be applied in every small company in whatever industry they might be. Absolutely clearly turnkeyed in a way that nobody had ever thought was possible before. So in short, at the very outset, I made the commitment to awaken the entrepreneur within every small business owner, realizing when I say that, that in fact, very few small business owners are truly entrepreneurs. But what I've come to call and what you've heard me say over and over and over again technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. That's got to be stopped. Mm. That's what our new mission is today. One thing that I found really interesting when I, I came into your world, at least when we started talking personally, as opposed to just reading your work, is it, it really felt like there have been some big shifts in your thinking and the way that you're approaching and solving this problem now from when you very first started your work back in the early days with the E-Myth and with the Michael Thomas Corporation. I know one of the big breakthroughs, and it was like a light globe that went off for me, is when you started talking about, hey, we, we can't build one of these businesses that scale from one to 1,000 by trying to fix your broken business. We need to start fresh. I'm, I'm wondering if you can yeah, give some insight around that concept, because it really is critical. Well, absolutely. And, and what you just said is very, very key to the understanding somebody has to have. And that is that just about every small business we've walked into is broken, despite the fact that most or the vast majority of small business owners we've met never thought of them that way. So it's almost like I'm insulting a small business owner by telling them that they own a broken small business. But in fact, they are broken. They don't work. And that was the core reason we became involved in this mission of ours way back then in 1977. It was to fix broken businesses. And that's what E-Myth really was all about. And it had a stunning impact on just millions of readers of my books. But in fact, what I've come to is this realization that in fact, fixing a broken business isn't what it's about at all. In short, I wrote a little thing that I, I sent to a friend of mine, and I was essentially saying, thinking in terms of that friend who owns a small business and is in fact a coach himself who owns his own small coaching business, 
I wrote this down and I said, now know that I'm going to be saying this, John, and, and get it clear. I said, struggling? Had your fill of business coaching? Need to find a better way? Stuck in what's called commonly no man's land? Fed up with info marketing solutions that simply don't work and all the rest of it? Well, I don't blame you. You're one of literally millions of small business owners who've gone for the gold only to discover that it isn't gold, it's tinfoil. Yes, rich dad and poor dad do exist. The only problem is they don't exist in the very same person. Something significantly different has to be done if you're determined to alter the conditions I listed just at the outset of this letter. It's time somebody told you the truth, that your small business cannot be fixed, nor can you be. In short, you can't build a better mousetrap by fixing the one you've got. You've got to do something completely different. And that's what we're doing now, Dave. Something completely different. We're not fixing broken businesses anymore. We've come to the realization that, in fact, it's absolutely the opposite of what must be done. What must be done is to create a new one. And that's the entire process I've been engaged in over the past several years, truly altering the way we think about the process of growth and approaching it with a blank piece of paper in beginner's mind. Nuco, not old co. Nuco, creating the company that must be created, but in a way, in fact, that enables you to scale it. And to scale it is key. And that's what I'm saying to every little guy who owns a very little company, the smallest of the small on the planet. I'm saying there's a new sheriff in town. And I'm that new sheriff. Now, you understand, I used to fix broken businesses, and I did that really, really, really well. The only problem is they didn't go anywhere. Now, I'm here to say that they didn't go anywhere, meaning the owner felt better. The owner was making more money. The owner's business worked better, but he didn't do it to scale it. That means he didn't build it to sell it. He built it to be a small business owner. Something other than that was needed. Something bubbled up there for me, and I think this idea of scale to sale, which is another really important change in in your thinking, is the whole purpose and premise. And beyond the Emith book opens with this idea that you need to think of your business as though it were the ultimate product that you're going to end up selling. Now, for some business owners, that in itself, they're thinking, yeah, but okay, that's fine, but maybe that's not right for me because I'm not looking to sell my business. I'd just like to get your thoughts on that. And, and it's it's a disruptive thought and someone at some point will have that breakthrough and go, oh, yes, it makes sense. But sometimes it's hard to make that jump depending on where they're at with their business growth. Well, absolutely. And what you're talking about is the human condition. A guy who's 22 can't imagine himself being 68. 
A guy who's 68 can't imagine himself being 80. The guy who's in the middle of it can't imagine being at the end of it. None of us live with the idea that we're not going to be here anymore one day. Of course, we all know that, and it would be stupid to say you don't know that, but you don't organize your life for that. And I'm suggesting that in a business is a disaster. And it's a disaster because the way you go to work on your small business will determine whether or not one day your small business is ready for sale or not. And if it's or not, you're really screwed, Dave, because you're never going to get out of it whole. So the actual reality of small business throughout the world, the millions upon millions of independently owned small companies, actual tragedy of it is that only a very, very infinitesimally small number of them will ever be bought by anybody. They'll simply go out of business. Now, the question becomes, so then what? Can you do it differently? Can you start a company with the intention of preparing it for the one who's going to ultimately acquire it? And my answer is, you absolutely can. But I had to make that process simpler than I've ever made it before. And that's what the entire work is built upon here. When I call it beyond the e-myth, the evolution of an enterprise from a company of one to a company of 1,000, I know that in one respect that turns the smallest of the small, small business owners off. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. They have the names solopreneur or lifestyle business and all of the clock trap that people have created to pander to the mindset of 99% of all small business owners. And I'm not pandering to that mindset because I know it's a disaster. In short, there is no such thing as a solopreneur. It's a misconnection between solo and entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs aren't solo. Entrepreneurs surround themselves with experts and expertise, systems, outcomes that are staggeringly larger than 99% of all the people on the planet. The only question then becomes, is this something ordinary people can do, what I'm talking about? And that's the point of it. It's not only something that ordinary people can do, it's absolutely essential for them to do it. Otherwise, it's over. Meaning, ultimately, it's going to crash. Ultimately, all this time you've spent doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 busy is for naught. You will never be paid for it. And you have to be there at the end to truly feel it, to appreciate what I'm saying. I am the greatest friend of a small business owner on the planet. 
because I'm telling that guy, that lady, the truth. And no matter how painful it might be at the same time that I'm telling them that truth, I'm saying, but I've also created a way out of it. All you got to do is go to school and understand Gerber's school ain't like college. It isn't like a feckless MBA. It isn't stupid. It's the smartest school for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm going to walk you through the process. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, six, seven, and eight to grow a company that can actually be acquired or sold so that there's an outcome for everything you're doing and all the time you're spending and energy you're spending in creating it. You get to create a company for sale and have a better time while you're designing, building, launching, and growing that company than you've ever had before. You just got to learn some new tools. I think the best thing we can do is going to be to to drill into these eight steps because that now it's, for me, I'm starting to understand even at a deeper level why this is so important to go through this process. And I mean, it's very clearly outlined in Beyond the E-Myth and and we go through step one is getting the dream right. Then step two is the vision. Then we look at the purpose, the mission. Then we need to build the job, the practice, the business and the enterprise. So those eight steps is what I'd love to go through to get an overall understanding of that process. So maybe even if we start in looking at that the, really those first four steps, the, the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission. And if we start off with that dream, that's, that was another really interesting point from the time that we've talked. You told me about this idea of disruption and obviously just some of the thoughts that you're talking about now and already, we're, we're starting to disrupt the individual and get them thinking a little bit differently. And really that will help them to get different outcomes. When we're thinking in terms of the dream, that that step one, which is how this whole journey begins, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how disruption gets wrapped up in that stage? Well, absolutely. But understand as well, and this is an important thing for somebody to take in, the dream has nothing to do with the business you've got. It may, but not now. The dream has nothing to do with the business you've got. The dream has got to do with what you're truly determined to create, the great result you're determined to create in the world. And I call it the great result. So I say, for example, about the dream, dream big, think small, act even smaller. So we're going to bring it down to something incredibly pragmatic in short, something that can be done, just as every great entrepreneur does. But we're not talking about what you do right now. So you put that over there, meaning over there for the moment. Just step out of it for the moment. And let's start with a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind and begin to ask the question, so I have a dream. What is it? Or... If I had a dream, what would it be? Or who's important to me? And why are they important to me? And what's standing in their way from 
getting what they want in their life? And how is that standing in their way of getting what they want in their life? So you understand in that context, when I was way back then at the very beginning of the Michael Thomas Corporation, I was Michael, he was Thomas, when decided to create what we defined as a business development firm, and understand even the words of business development firm were being used in a completely different way than business development is typically used even today. As a business development firm, what in fact were we here to do? And what we're here to do is to create a great result. And what is the great result? The great result was to transform the state of small business worldwide. Well, what did that mean? It meant that small businesses suffered. Small businesses were dysfunctional. Small businesses were broken, needed to be fixed, didn't work. The person who owned the small business worked. In short, most of the small businesses on the planet were created by somebody who wanted to create a job for himself or herself. And so that what we called technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure created a job for himself, became his or her own boss, and now they were working for a lunatic. We had to fix that, which meant to transform the state of small business worldwide. That was the dream. So you can begin to understand immediately how connected that was to reality. In short, the condition of small business sucks. And if the condition of small business sucks, well, why does it suck? In short, what's missing in this picture called small business? And as we began to formulate our mindset, Tom and I, about the condition we were addressing, we came to the conclusion that the great result we were going to produce would literally transform the way small businesses operate on the planet. Literally transform them. When we had to set out then to invent the process for transforming small business worldwide. And I know as you kind of go through those steps, when you start with uh, that first dream and thinking about what that great result is and thinking about the disruption that uh, your business is going to have, that's really what all great businesses do. Like if you think about some of the, the businesses that we all know about, it started with this dream, something bigger that, that was really what the, the business is looking to achieve. And that enabled both clients and the team to get behind this idea, this movement. So it, it makes sense for that. Sometimes I'm curious around that dream, like for some people, they're like, yeah, but I, I work in roofing or, you know, I, I'm cleaning people's toilets for, with domestic cleaning. So when it comes to relating that dream back, how does someone take this idea of, hey, I'm going to transfer the state of people's bathrooms worldwide by my remodeling for them? Yeah. Is that enough of a, a dream to kind of rally the business together and move forward? 
Well, it absolutely is, but it isn't an automatic response. Meaning, in our relationship with small business owners, we begin this process by literally having them begin to dream, to imagine, and to write it down. And so they begin with a blank piece of paper, literally, their dreaming room pad, I call it, and they begin the process of asking themselves the question, what is it that is triggering them? What inspires them? What moves them? And you can begin to feel the emergence of a picture they have in their mind that's just beginning to formulate. Understand it doesn't happen all at once, Dave. It happens over time. But if it doesn't happen, if it fails to happen, I can absolutely promise you the company they create will not have a higher purpose for being alive. And without that higher purpose, without that higher energy, without that bigger picture, without that clear and compelling reason for being, it will die. It'll simply become a place they go to work. It'll simply become a place their people go to work. It will become like most jobs that most people complain about, empty with no meaning. So understand when I say transform the state of small business worldwide, that moves me to ask the question, how, yeah, okay, but how could I do that? I had no idea how to do that, Dave, none. But had I not set out to do that, I would have never done that. You follow me? Yeah, you've got to really. If I set out just to clean toilets, guess what? I'm in the business of just cleaning toilets. Nothing comes from that other than just cleaning toilets. Something more is waiting to be said if it's going to be done. And this comes back to, I mean, getting that uh, dream right, or at least even starting the thinking along this path, it is a case of if you ask the right question, you're going to get a, a much better quality answer. So you've got to start with the right question. So that feels right. The, the next step then is getting the vision right. How is this different from the dream. If the dream is about the great result that the company intends to produce, what's the vision? Well, the vision is the form the company must take in order to accomplish that. So in our case, my dream was to transform the state of small business worldwide. Well, how am I going to do that? I'm going to do that through the business we're going to create. What is that business we're going to create? Well, I came to the conclusion that business we're going to create is going to become the McDonald's of small business consulting. The McDonald's of small business consulting. What in the world do we mean by that? I had to say what in the world we meant by that. Meaning, it's infinitely scalable, just like McDonald's is. Meaning, it can be done in the hands of ordinary people, not extraordinary people. Meaning, we didn't have to create intelligently, extremely brilliant consultants to work with small business. That wouldn't work. We had to create 
a brilliant consulting system that I could then hand off to relative novices who could use it because it's turnkey. In short, when you walk into McDonald's, the brilliant solution that Ray Kroc and his people invented is working in every single one of today's some 37,000 stores across the world. How do you do that, Ray? That becomes the question. How do you do that, Michael? How do you do that, Tom? How do you do that, Dave? It does that. What's it? It is the system that does that. And our job then is to invent that system. You follow? Yeah, yep. So that step two is really about, okay, well, what is the the form that the company needs to take to be able to achieve that dream that we just set out in the, the previous step? You got it. And you've got to be really, really serious about it because McDonald's isn't chump change, meaning McDonald's wasn't created in a half-assed way. McDonald's was created with an aggressive intent to do something nobody had ever done anywhere close to how well McDonald's had done it. So this is aspiring to go much higher than the status quo. And so when we're awakening the new entrepreneur within every small business owner, and that's what we do, we awaken the spirit of entrepreneurship in a way that didn't exist before we got there. As we begin to do that, our people, our small business owners aspire to go higher. A perfect example of a guy I spoke to you about a little while ago, and that's the guy who created... 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I like to say about him, Brian Scudamore, he started in a pickup truck and ended in a 747. But it wasn't by accident that he accomplished that. It was because he had a dream, he had a vision, he had a purpose, he had a mission. He was driven by the point of view that he discovered in the E-Myth. And he held out that book, The E-Myth Revisited, Why Most Small Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It, hundreds upon thousands of times to people who asked him, so how did you get to be so successful, Brian? How did you go from a pickup truck to a 747? My description of it. And he said, I got to say, it was very, very simple. I just listened to what Michael Gerber said, and I did it. Now, understand when he said, I just listened to what Michael Gerber said, and I did it. That's an amazing thing. Because I can guarantee you, Dave, there are lots and lots of people listening to what Michael Gerber is saying right now and won't do it. What they'll do instead is say, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, and you've heard this yourself before. Yes, but, yes, but, and all the reasons why, of course, it doesn't work. Despite the fact that we have done this with more small businesses on the planet than any other single enterprise has. So when you understand that, this is not just a figment of my imagination. This is a process a process that every single small company can put to work. But they've got to think about it differently than they're thinking about it right now. 
I call this new mindset TUCO. Now, understand what I mean by TUCO. That's T-W-O, capital C-O, TUCO. That means old co and new co. That means two different minds, a beginner's mind and a winner's mind. The winner's mind is going to simply get old co to work better than it is. But the beginner's mind is going to invent new co to replace it. And the minute you hear that, you can see a dual track that every small business owner must walk down. Our mastery is in teaching people how to walk that track. And you can't walk that track until you've formulated that track. And you formulate that track by determining what your dream, your vision, your purpose, and your mission are. And we have a process for helping somebody to do that. And the lovely thing about it is the process works. It works faster with one guy than another guy, but it always works, provided they've got the will to do it. You're starting out with a completely different mindset. The dream, a vision, a purpose, and a mission, and awakening the entrepreneur within, who is, in fact, the dreamer, the thinker, the storyteller, and the leader. The entrepreneur is four different personalities, Dave. You, Dave, the guy I'm talking to right now, is actually four different people. A dreamer, a thinker, a storyteller, a leader. The dreamer has a dream, the thinker has a vision, the storyteller has a purpose, and the leader has a mission. The minute you begin to put these pieces together in that way, everybody can begin to see what's missing in this picture. Holy moly, nobody ever told me it that way before. This is like Lego blocks, putting the pieces together, putting the pieces together. That's the exciting thing about what we're doing. Yeah, and I love the simplicity of these eight steps. It makes it really easy to identify here's where I am in the process and here is what that next step is. Like that step two about getting, okay, you need to get clear on the form that the company needs to take to achieve that dream that you outlined. And, and the big takeaway for me there is also thinking in terms of scale. So when you think of the form that McDonald's needed to take and the same with when you first started out the Michael Thomas Corporation, the, the inherent in, in the way that that was phrased and that vision was articulated was it was built with scale. And then we move into that step three, which is the purpose, which is for the storyteller to really be able to expand upon. Can you tell us about step three? What, how do we start to articulate what the purpose of the company is? Well, it's very, very clear that now that I have a dream to transform the state of small business worldwide, and in order to realize that dream, I have to invent a business model that will enable me to do that, then the third thing is I have to address the consumer and the result I'm going to produce for her, for him. And our consumer was and is a independently owned small business owner. So they own a business of their own. They're not a franchisee, though this would work for a franchisee, but we're not interested in that. It's not for General Motors, albeit it would work for General Motors, but we're not interested in that. 
It's for an independently owned small business. And our intent then was that independently owned small business owner could be as successful in the development of that small business as Ray Kroc was in the development of his franchises business. So you can be successful as a McDonald's franchise. Think about that. No small business is as successful as a McDonald's franchise is. But what if they could be? So that was the purpose of everything we did. That was the purpose of our dream. That was the purpose of our vision. That was the story we told every small business owner. You can be as successful as McDonald's. Now, hear me, you can be as successful as a McDonald's franchisee. But if you truly, truly are moved by what I'm telling you, then you can understand you could be as successful as the McDonald's franchisor. You could be Ray Kroc. Anybody can. Once you get what I'm describing to you here, you can begin to see how scalable it is. And you can create the McDonald's of whatever marketplace you decided to excel in. And if you could become the McDonald's of whatever marketplace you decided to excel in, you'd have to, in short, disrupt the way that marketplace is doing business, lives its life. And that disruption comes in the process of determining what your dream, your vision, your purpose, and your mission are. So you can begin to see there's a method to this seeming madness. And that method isn't something we hand to you to do. It's something you discover within you. In short, you've got to be moved by your mission. You've got to be moved by your purpose. You've got to be moved by your vision. You've got to be moved by your dream. You've got to be passionately, passionately invested in it. Because that's the energy that moves it forward. And as you know, Dave, and everybody I'm speaking to, and as you listen to me, what do you primarily feel? You feel the energy of what I'm saying. The energy is key. And that energy comes from creating something that has deep, deep, purposeful meaning. In short, when I say we're going to transform the state of small business worldwide, when I say we're going to become the preeminent provider of economic development services worldwide, it's obviously not a tiny thing we're setting out to do. We're setting out to do the biggest thing on the planet. But why wouldn't you set out to do the biggest thing on the planet if you could? It's really just about following through this process and understanding as you go through the process, you focus on that step, complete that step, and move on to the next step. I think, I mean, that purpose for me, when you said it, and it all stems from the dream, it's something that then also very easily relates to the consumer or, you know, your prospects or your clients. When they hear that, they kind of go, oh, yep, yeah, that, that connects with me because it, it helps me achieve what it is that I am trying to do as well. That's where your objective and the the client's objectives end up meeting. And then you kind of move into step four, which is the mission, which is really what the leader needs to step up and take control of, 
What can you tell us? Yeah, the once we've got these first three steps in place, step four is about the mission. How does the mission fit into it? Well, the mission is key, and obviously, it's the role of the leader to lead the mission forward in order to what? In order to make the dream, vision, and purpose a reality. So if it's going to become the McDonald's of small business consulting, we need to develop the consulting system that will enable us to become that. If it's going to become the McDonald's of whatever the purpose is, whatever the vision is, whatever the dream is, then obviously there's got to be a system invented to do that. It's the system, stupid. This is how we do that. This is how we do that. How you do that becomes who you are. So clearly, you must invent the system. Now, throughout this process, understand, whether it be the dream, the vision, the purpose, and mission, ultimately, what we're going to invent are the systems essential to grow that company. And that leads us to the next four steps, which is the job, the practice, the business, the enterprise. And we can talk about that in our next meeting. But understand, to prepare for that, you have to understand why the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission are so absolutely staggeringly critical to any success you might realize. Because that's where the juice is. That's where the fundamentals are. That's where the platform for exponential growth lives. That's where the idea of a scalable company is brought to life in the process of seeing that I'm here to do something significant, something huge, something you've never even imagined you could do before. That's where it all starts, the foundation for everything you do. Now, this is a process that I've gone through with you to get my dream, vision, purpose, and mission in place. And as we start to build a system hub, this process, what it actually does when you go through it as well, quite a lot of other things start to happen. Not only does it help to align your team with what it is that you're looking to do, but it also helps to clearly, if you've got questions that bubble up, when you've got this framework in place, you just keep referencing back to this and then it actually makes it quite easy to solve and answer questions you've got within your business. Should I be doing this? How should I grow that? What's the message I should be putting across in my marketing? What is the discussion I'm going to have with someone when they're interested in finding out more about what I do? Once you've got these four steps in place, all of that actually becomes a lot easier. So it, it makes sense as I went through it. And it's, again, only with the benefit of hindsight. Sometimes you can't tell it in the moment. And sometimes... For some people, you hear these things and it feels, oh, yeah, that's the airy-fairy stuff. That's the soft and fluffy stuff. That's, you know, when are we going to get to the systems? When when are you going to give me the things that I can just swipe and deploy into the business that, you know, is going to make me feel like I'm going to get the result? When actual fact, and this is why most businesses end up failing, is because the steps you need to go through, these steps here, they can be a little bit counterintuitive for someone. When you do look at all of the great companies, they have that dream just 
embedded in the DNA. So for, for me, when I went through this process with Michael and thinking about System Hub, for me, the dream was to organize systems and processes for entrepreneurs worldwide. So that's the result that we were looking to create. Then we think about the, the mission, uh, sorry, the uh, vision, which is, okay, what is the form that the company needs to take, which is to create the online software that powers small business. And then we think about, okay, the purpose, like how does this really relate to the individual and, and the story that connects with the entrepreneur, which ultimately will help us achieve that goal to organize the systems and processes for, for entrepreneurs worldwide. So that purpose for me is to make it possible for every entrepreneur to duplicate and improve best practice within their business. And then the final step, which is the mission, which is, you know, the, the leader in me that communicates this through to the team and it is actually that system. We need to create the system to extract, organize and optimize best practice for entrepreneurs. So this clarity of thought that I went through when I went over and, you know, I, I flew to uh, Carlsbad, California and I attended the dreaming room to go through these four steps. The result of what I just shared with you then, which is quite succinct, yet had quite a lot of thinking go into it, has now given our business the clarity and the foundation that we're going to build on. Now, in the part two of this call, and we're actually going to have a few parts where we go deeper into each of these sections and we'll go through the next four steps, the job, the practice, the business, the enterprise, it'll become very clear why it was important to get those first four steps in place. Is there any sort of final things to kind of wrap up the, the start of this process? Because I feel like we've just started to tip the dominoes for the listener. Well, yes. And when you were speaking about the airy-fairy stuff, I've had that experience over and over and over again. Indeed, over 10 years ago in a dreaming room where um, Clayt Mask and his co-founder, came to the dreaming room with Infusionsoft when it was a very small software company, a small team of people. And they came to, in quotes, dream with me. And Scott Martineau, one of the co-founders, came up to me before the dreaming room. And he said that literally, what's this dreaming stuff, Gerber? He says, we know about E-Myth. You know, we, we believe in E-Myth because we're systems guys. But this all sounds touchy-feely. I said, Scott, go sit down. There's nothing touchy-feely about it at all. It's where the juice comes from. And when they did, they came up and they had not stars in their eyes. They had a picture in their minds and in their hearts of something they'd never conceived they'd be doing before. And they went back and did it. And in fact, the dream, the vision, the purpose and mission became so real for the founders and executives of Infusionsoft, they put it up on the walls and every morning, their sales staff got up and said, we have a dream. Our dream is to, we have a vision. Our vision is to, we have a purpose. Our purpose is to, we have a mission. Our mission is to, and that company grew from a tiny, tiny software company to what it is today, over a hundred million in revenue with over 35,000 small business clients with close to a thousand employees there in Arizona. 
and hundreds of contractors worldwide. And the difference is the difference between night and day. Once someone understands the overview of where it is that we're going, it'll also make it much easier as you're going through each of these steps. You'll you'll start to see the power and the impact of these ideas. So, Michael, let's wrap it up from there for now. And again, thank you so much for being extremely generous with your time and ideas. And I know this is going to have a huge impact on, on any of the listeners. Well, thanks, Dave. And thank you. It's been a delight. And yes, just know that a process is a system over time. So the process that we've created, step one, the dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission, the job, the practice, the business, the enterprise, that process we've invented, and it's an ingenious system for creating the better mousetrap, the better business mousetrap everybody really wants to create, but is trying to create in the wrong way. You can't do it by fixing your broken business. You've got to accept the fact that what you've created is broken and it's time to create it anew. And here we are to do anew in a way you've never, never been introduced to before. So Dave, thank you. It's been a delight talking to you. Hi, it's David Jennings here from systemhub.com and I I've got an exciting part two to the first interview that we did with Michael where we start to go beyond the e-myth. We're going through Michael's process for building successful, huge companies that affect big change in the world. And we went through the first four steps, which was getting your dream, vision, purpose, and mission correct. And if you haven't yet listened to that first interview, definitely listen to that first. And what we're going to go through in this call is the next four stages, the job, the practice, the business, and the enterprise. So firstly, before we dive into that first step, the job, just wanted to welcome you to the call, Michael, and thank you so much for a part two. Hi, Dave, and I'm delighted to be here, and I'm delighted to be here with everyone else because this conversation to me, here as I am in my 80th year on the planet is in fact the ball game. It's actually the conversation I started out 40 years ago to open the question, what's my McDonald's? What am I here waiting to do? And if I were able to discover what that is, what I've been calling in our first conversation, Dave, my dream, my vision, my purpose, and my mission, if I were able to discover what that could be, then how in the world would I approach the practical, pragmatic process of actually designing it, building it, launching it, and growing it to the point where, in fact, I could turn around and say, there she is, she works, she works, and she can have an exponentially profound impact on the world around me. And there is true value in it, a true asset that I can lay claim to. I'm saying that unfortunately, 99.9% of small companies have no value. If those owners were to turn around at a certain point in time and say, I want to sell my company, there wouldn't be a buyer for it because they don't own a company, they own a job. In short, that's what they'd have 
left to sell a job, but nobody's buying jobs other than another technician, but he's got no money. That's So then what? That's, and that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, and it, it's quite interesting. Even the way that you articulated that just then, that, that all they've got is a job, which that is just a stage in the process. And it's almost like the most business owners get stuck at that level and don't progress to the practice, the business, and the enterprise. If we start with the job then, what when you are at that job stage, what is the objective? What should the business owner be looking to do at that stage? Well, it's very, very important and a great question because when I say all they've got is a job, what I mean is what they do every day. The significant reality is that very, 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 very few of them go to work on the job, what they do every day, to turn it into a client fulfillment system. Understanding from my context, from my perspective, from Ray Kroc's perspective, from every great entrepreneur's perspective, the job is in fact the product, the service. And that product or service has got to be beyond the individual who's delivering it. In short, when you walk into McDonald's, that service, that product is truly automated. It's turnkey. This is how we do it here. This is how we make it here. It's scalable. That is, you can open up 37,000 restaurants and do exactly the very same thing. That's what scalable means. Now, understand, without scalability, without the ability to replicate you, Dave, or me, Michael, or Jerry, or Judy, or Jim, or Janet, with somebody who can utilize the system I create, I document, I standardize, without that system, what I'm calling the client fulfillment system, I've got nothing to sell. But me, so, Dave, it's like we're talking here and we're doing it, doing it, doing it here. But you understand if, in fact, that's all there is to this, then, Dave, all you and I got is what we're doing right now. Yeah. You can't scale it. And it's got to be scaled because until it's scalable, I can't actually create what I'm calling the McDonald's of my business. And if I can't create what I'm calling the McDonald's of my business or call it the Starbucks of my business or call it whatever you want to call it, if I can't replicate it successfully, faithfully in the hands of ordinary people, if I can't do that, I've failed. And what I'm saying to you is if that measure is true and it is absolutely true, then most small business owners have failed and or most definitely will. So this process, the job, the practice, the business, the enterprise is a turnkey practice that I intend to engage, not me, me here right now, but intend to engage tens of thousands of small business owners in so that they can answer the question, 
what's my McDonald's. Let me show you what it is. Let me show you how it works. Let me show you why it works as well as it works. And let me show you how I can replicate it thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times so I can say it works. I don't. This, uh, and that's the significant thing. It works. I don't. So the you uh, got it. objective of this step is to develop the thing that, so it works and it is scalable, turnkey, you know, replicatable. So it doesn't have the business owner at the center of it. So that is something that is very much working on the business rather than in it because you're looking to create that client fulfillment system. The actual implementation where the, the rubber hits the road for this, are we talking at this stage, okay, what is the documented process? Step one, step two, step three for delivering this? Does it also include everything from you know finance and invoicing the client and following up like that entire client experience? That's what needs to be developed first at this stage. Yes, it includes, the client fulfillment and system includes everything that's required to produce the result that you promised to your customer. Everything that's required to produce the result you've promised to deliver to your customer. So the client fulfillment system raises the question, so what am I here to deliver? What am I here to promise? What am I here to produce on behalf of my customer? And that's whether you're fixing transmissions, whether you're mowing lawns, whether you're doing graphic design, whether you're whatever, 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 whatever that is. Your job, just as every entrepreneur's job, is to become the chief designer of that. The chief designer of the client fulfillment system that will differentiate your product, your service from everybody else on the planet who's effectively doing the same work. So you can see the difference between Ray Kroc and Jerry Smith, where Jerry Smith starts a hamburger stand and Jerry Smith goes to work every day making hamburgers, making French fries, making malteds, generating leads, generating prospective customers, attracting people to his door, and so forth and so forth and so forth. You can imagine Jerry Smith doing that and doing that until he dies at 74 years of age. His company will not grow beyond Jerry Smith doing it. Yeah. That's the condition of all small businesses. What we're saying is there's another way to do it. And you absolutely have to do it that other way. You have to start it in exactly the same way as a Ray Kroc did. Otherwise, you will not produce. This is how we do it here. This is who we are. You will not disrupt the marketplace of all competitors who are simply other guys doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Busy, 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 busy. For this, No matter how good their hamburger is. They will never reach billions upon billions upon billions upon billions. And I'm suggesting when somebody says to me, yeah, but Michael, I don't want to have billions upon billions upon billions. And I'm saying to him, no, you don't have to have that. But if you're going to ever produce a company that could ultimately achieve that result, you're going to have to 
build that company this way. And if you don't do that, you will never sell your company because your company will not be a worthy product in the marketplace for companies. And effectively, you must go to work on your company to make it competitive in the marketplace of companies in order for you to ultimately win in that marketplace. Because somebody will say, I want your company because I can see I can scale it. You've got to build the infrastructure in order to make it available to scale. You don't have to go out and get billions, but it has to have the wherewithal to accomplish that systemically. That's the breakthrough, Dave. And that is why this stage is so important. I'm imagining the business owner might sit down and mind map out that client fulfillment system and the flow and the way that it's going to look. And then they're probably going to either work with their team or themselves to then create that documentation. And I'm also assuming this is a a something the this client fulfillment system is something that you would continue to work on and improve so when you first think about getting this job complete this stage before you move to the practice at what point do you go right i've got a minimum viable product here for the client fulfillment system or do you just keep going and going and going because i know mcdonald's i mean they're part of their process that's been built in is that refinement and moving and trends change and all that sort of thing so at what point does someone go okay i've got a client fulfillment here that is helping to you know, achieve the, the mission of the business, we can move on to the practice. Well, very, very simply, Dave, when you're able to turn it over to other people to deliver and validate the authenticity of that deliverable. In short, you're building a system. Now you build your client fulfillment system and you hand off the delivery of it to people who have no experience doing it and developing their ability to deliver it in exactly the way you promised to deliver it. Once you've done that, you now own it. Now understand to your other question, then do you stop? You never stop working on it, Dave, ever. It's a continuous process. You're continuously improving upon it, continuously. But now we have the wherewithal to expand our capacity to deliver this result, this client fulfillment system that we've invented. And now what we are faced with is attracting more clients, more customers to it. And that's step two, which is the practice. Yeah, which is that uh, lead acquisition. So can you tell us a little bit more about, okay, now we've got a product that we can effectively sell and deliver and something that's scalable because you've got the systems and someone else is actually doing it. So you've got that result. So it makes sense now. Okay, well, we need to get as many leads and clients in the door as possible so we can start to scale this thing. So that feels like logically the next step. So I know you've got a couple of components of, of the lead acquisition. Well, it's lead generation, lead conversion, in total, make up client acquisition. So there are really three systems in a practice. 
lead generation, attracting people to your door, lead conversion, converting those people you've attracted into paying customers, and client fulfillment, which you've assiduously been working on in the job. And now you're creating your franchise prototype. You get it. So think franchise prototype, think McDonald's, think turnkey, and think of the three legs of this absolutely balanced stool called my franchise prototype. It's really three essential ingredients, three essential systems, my lead generation system, my lead conversion system, my client fulfillment system. And somebody at the center of that who's effectively delivering that client fulfillment service, that product, that result, using that in a turnkey, definable, and absolutely replicable and scalable way. And so our next job is to invent the lead generation, lead conversion system and automate it. I'm assuming that's Document. going to obviously be different. As, as same with the job, it will depend on the original dream of the business, what it is that you're looking to achieve. Then that's obviously who, who it is you're going to be delivering this result for. So then generating that lead, we need to think about, well, where are they? And then we need to create multiple systems at this particular stage to get our message in front of that audience and then make sure that, yeah, we've got a, a well-rounded strategy to drive warm prospects through to our lead conversion stage. And then we obviously have the sales process at that point in time, depending, again, it'll vary on the business um, to then think about, okay, well, what needs to happen to end up closing that sale? That's top level me thinking. I'd, I'd love to drive just a little bit deeper, maybe into both of those and your thoughts, because particularly in the client fulfillment, you gave some real key ideas where you're like, hey, it has to be turnkey and it has to be scalable. Are there any other things where you kind of like lead generation has to have this or lead conversion has to have this component for you to think, yes, this is this is working? Well, understand once you've designed, built, launched, and grown your client fulfillment system, now you're doing that yourself. Dave is doing that. Dave, you already have an experience of doing this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You saw a problem you wanted to solve in your company, and we'll call it your company, not your business, because in the lexicon that I use, in the way of describing this whole process, a business is something very unique, and very well-defined. I'm calling it of a company of one. So Dave Jennings starts his company. You're a company of one. You set out to produce a result in the world. You design, build, launch, test, and grow your client fulfillment system. You do that personally. So you're a company of one. Dave is it. And Dave um, is responsible for it. And you test it, test it, test it. And then you say, it's ready. Now I'm able to teach somebody else to do what I do. And you so bring you bring in Murray and Jim and Judy, and you teach them how to deliver your client fulfillment system. You follow me? Yep. That's at the job. Now understand they learn that with a limited number of prospects that you've provided at that point. 
At that point, there's really no lead generation system. There's no really no lead conversion system. In fact, you could even be giving it away just to give you the test that you need to validate that, in fact, what you've invented does work and works exactly the way you promised it would and produces an outcome for your central demographic model consumer, whomever that might be, in a way that you've said it would. You're now able to do that in the hands of Murray, Judy, and Jim. Understand, when you're able to do that through the hands of Murray, Jerry, and Jim, or Judy, or Jackie, or Smitty, or whomever, you suddenly own an ability that very, very, very few small companies will ever own. You own a system that's transferable through the hands of ordinary people to produce the extraordinary result you have designed it to produce. That's your client fulfillment capability. Now that you've done that, what you're saying is, now that I know I can hand off the responsibility for delivering the result that our client fulfillment system delivers, this is how you do it, this is how you do it, this is how it works, this is who we are, turnkey, you're now going to say, now I need to generate the ability or create the ability, the turnkey ability, the system's ability to attract more prospective customers to our door and to convert those leads into paying customers that I can now turn over to Jimmy and Jerry and Judy or whomever to deliver the promise that we've made. You follow me? So that client acquisition system called lead generation, lead conversion, are the other two legs of the franchise prototype. Franchise prototype, when you're done with it, Dave, is turnkey. It's the beginning of McDonald's. It's the beginning of an enterprise, which then means you're going to replicate that practice up to seven times plus a turnkey management system to create a business. So a business I'm defining as up to seven turnkey practices. See practice one, lead generation, lead conversion, client fulfillment. See practice two, lead generation, lead conversion, client fulfillment. See practice three, again and again and again and again. I'm saying up to seven turnkey practices plus a turnkey management system that will enable you to operate a turnkey business to prepare it to scale. So understand Every single step of this process, Dave, is preparing your company to scale and for sale. Because once you have documented, once you have turnkeyed, once you have automated the process by which ordinary people can produce a predictable, extraordinary result on behalf of your growing customer base, you now have invented a great business product and you only have one more step to go and that is to now replicate the business 
up to seven times, plus a turnkey leadership system to create a turnkey enterprise. A job, a practice, a business, an enterprise. It's like Lego blocks, Dave. Nobody has ever communicated this before, ever, on this business planet of ours. It's like Lego blocks. It's a growth mantra. It's a growth model. It's an absolutely scalable, replicable, engineerable system that anybody in any business doing anything at all can produce. Our job is to simply inspire, teach, train, coach, and mentor them toward the development of their McDonald's franchise prototype, ready to grow it as large as they wish, but understand every single step they take in this process then is simply enriching the asset they then own. So suddenly, small business owners won't just think small. They'll see that this opportunity is an opportunity to scale, to sell, to produce a business product unlike other business products in their industry. Then acquisition, a strategic acquisition company will absolutely acquire Look at the value that's returned for the investment this small business owner has made. One thing that um, flows throughout each of these steps, and we'll come back to the practice, and I've got a few questions around the business and the enterprise, with the, the practice particularly focusing on this idea of, okay, if we are looking to scale, then for the lead generation, I think probably one of those biggest considerations are making sure that you have enough strategies underneath lead generation that can be turned on and off like a tap where you, you can get your message in front of that audience. That That is needed for scale and for that to happen as well. The, and this is a big step for a lot of business owners is to think around paying for the lead generation. A lot of people are, are trying to engage in different lead generation methods that aren't necessarily scalable. A really good example of that might be something that's happening currently around like search engine optimization. You can only grow so far with that. Whereas when you start to add in the, the paid component, if you understand your client fulfillment step, which happens in the job, then you're able to calculate, well, how much does it actually cost me to then deliver that experience? Now that I know how much it costs me to deliver that experience, okay, then we need to think about, well, how much do we need to sell this for and have enough money in that, that final price that you end up arriving at that still has enough money to go out and do lead acquisition at scale. So for me, that was one of the takeaways. Um, of what you had just said is everything really needs to be thought in terms of, hey, what happens if we 10x, 100x, 1000x this? And then same with the conversion. Once that lead then starts to come in and how do we actually convert that lead? Again, it needs to be scalable. So potentially under that conversion process, something that helps to uh, further identify out of those leads, which candidates are going to be most 
likely and ready to make a purchasing decision? How can we, you know, quickly sort people potentially into some buckets of where they are in that buying cycle and then having the right systems in place to then have that discussion with them that then helps to get that sale. Now, I know we're going down into Tic Tacs and a lot of what we're talking about here. And I think what I love most about the Beyond the E-Myth process is that the way that it is simplified to the point of, you know, we, we, we don't need to overcomplicate it here in each of these steps. But I, I wanted to mention a few of those things just to yeah, round out the thinking, particularly for some of those people that just, you know, oh, yes, I want, I want to get down to the, the tic tacs of it. If we then transition, you talked about the, the business, which was that next step. And there's a few components in there, plus the lead management system. I did have some questions around that. So if we're thinking about a business where I kind of get it, let's say a McDonald's, okay, we're looking at creating seven versions of this franchise prototype, which effectively would probably have retail outlets, obviously for a McDonald's at different locations. So that very much makes sense. When it's something that's, let's say, operating more virtually, where it can all be serviced by a business that is in one location, what's the thought process on how we break this up into seven separate components? Are you or you, you need to develop your business model that you can effectively have seven people take over sections or regions of the business. Actually, I'm, I'm thinking out loud and it's kind of becoming clearer, but I'd like your thoughts. <laughs> I, I understand. Let me correct something, however, that you said, uh, the language of it. You said versions of the practice. They're not versions of the practice. They're replicates of the practice. Yep. They're exactly the same. There are seven um, centers, you might say, deliverables. Those are seven hamburger stands. So, in quotes, yep. there are seven coffee shops, in quotes. They are a replicate of the turnkey that you've invented that, as a practice, has a singular capacity to serve X number of customers in Y number of hours to produce Z amount of revenue and X amount of profit. You follow what I'm saying? Yep. So it's turnkey. Understand you're going to find the way to do that, not the many, 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 many ways to do that. You're going to find the way to do that. That's at the beginning. That's at the outset. Now, when you begin to think about those seven practices, which comprise one business, you're thinking about lead generation. You're thinking about lead generation in the same way that you would if you owned a McDonald's. At McDonald's, as an example, the entire concept of neighborhood marketing was conceived. In short, they discovered that at McDonald's, and this is all a discovery, every single one of our small business owners are going to discover what in fact's true about their market. But understand, nothing is virtual in this conversation. Not virtual in the way it's thought of in the internet mantra. Because everybody lives someplace. Yep. Everybody does something someplace. 
And that someplace is someplace in Virginia or someplace in Dallas, Texas, or someplace in San Mateo, California. So I'm saying when you begin to look at the market, you understand that that market, if you can grok the reality that you're creating little stores, virtual but brick and mortar, simultaneously, you're going to attract prospects from a very specific geographical location. And so your lead generation becomes highly, highly, highly focused. And you develop the means to attract somebody, in quotes, to your door. Understand your door, hypothetically, is virtual, but in reality is actual. Yep. They're coming to your door. And your door is a website. Your door is a landing page. Your door is, you follow me. Yep. Yeah. This whole system is a process. So step one in the process is to identify who your central demographic model consumer is. And you've done that in the dream, vision, purpose, and mission segment of this process. You know what you're there to produce. I have a dream to transform the state of small business worldwide. I have a vision to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting. I have a purpose to make it possible for every independently owned small business to be as successful as a McDonald's franchise. And I have a mission, which is to design, develop, perfect the system so I can deliver this consistently, pragmatically, over and over and over again in the hands of ordinary people to produce an extraordinary outcome. And I've already defined who I'm doing this for, independently owned small businesses. I've already defined what that outcome is as successful as a McDonald's franchisee. And I've already defined the methodology through which I'm going to do that, the system solution And so I'm saying that we are going to approach the acquisition through lead generation in very specific geographic marketplaces. Yep. And of course, you have the opportunity to do that, Dave. Yep. That makes sense. If you were to take Sydney, Australia, you're in Melbourne, I believe. If you were to take Sydney, Australia, and break Sydney, Australia up into zip codes, you could define. How many of your demographic central model live in each of those zip codes? You could find how to reach each and every one of them, whether that be by email, whether that be by hard mail, whether that be, you understand what I'm saying. Yep. You could understand what you're going to say to them at the outset, because obviously you've worked on that in your lead generation, lead conversion development system. The story you're there to tell and why you're there to tell it. And you're going to begin to test and validate what the conversion is from X number of emails to Y number of tell me more. All of the mechanics of this, Dave, is what happens in the practice. And then that makes sense because in the business stage, then effectively we're looking to replicate that seven times now there's absolutely 
Yeah, absolutely. And you understand zip code by zip code by zip code by zip code. You understand geography by geography by geography, demographics by demographics by demographics, story by story by story, invitation by invitation by invitation. And you can begin to understand and see, you can even feel the power of that. Yep. And the size, like, I mean, that's, it comes back to what you talked about right at the start, which is the, the scalability. Yeah. What we're talking about there becomes infinitely more scalable when you have a, a, a clear way to scale, which is huge because that's just Sydney. Now we talk Australia. Now we talk, you know, Southeast Asia. Now we talk the world. Like, yeah, so it, it, it just keeps leveling. You got up. it. You got it. And you also begin to see that you're absolutely doing what I've been saying for 40 years, working on it, not in it. And you suddenly see the role of the small business owner as the role of Ray Kroc, working on the company to develop the wherewithal within the company to expand exponentially through the development of a systems modality that effectively is like putting Lego blocks together. Because you understand if you can do this in every one of the zip codes in Sydney, you can do this in every zip code worldwide. It's interesting to think about the way that you then approach this with Emith, because then not only can you go for location, but then you can also go for vertical. You, you layered another layer on top of that, which then is the industry, at least in your particular business, and that's not going to apply for everybody, but that then, again, another level of scalability. Well, yes, and what I would say to the client who says that to me or the small business owner who says to me, get it simple, stupid. Yep. I just demonstrated how you can do this very simple thing that you've designed and defined worldwide. You've suddenly created the capability without another hierarchy, another vertical, another vertical, another this, another that, another this, another that, which is what everybody begins to think about. Well, I need this. I could do that. I could do this. Another demographic. You don't need another demographic. You've got the universe. Your job is to build a turnkey capability so you can go out into the universe of zip codes in an absolutely predictable fashion and grow exponentially without doing anything else. The, the, That's the grand reality of this, Dave. This, that and that grand, great reality is missing in every small business you've ever walked into. There's also the piece that you mentioned mm -hmm. around this business step as well, around the, the management piece. So at this point, as we start to roll things out, it, it makes sense that then you need to have some management systems and processes because at that point you, you're, you're bringing on quite a lot of staff to execute this as you start to roll it out. What are the important components under this management system? Well, the important, let me make it very, very, very simple because it's easy to become overly complicated. Very, very simply is what do you need to know? When do you need to know it? Why do you need to know it? And what importance does that have? That's what drives the management system. You're now looking down on the platform of, we'll call it one practice, two practice, three practice, etc. And you're asking the question, what do I need to see from above to know that we're doing what we're doing in an authentic, 
pragmatically effective manner, whether Judy's doing it, Jim's doing it, Jack's doing it, or Jerry's doing it. And you have to be able to monitor that, measure that, quantify that. Because if you recall an e-myth, the business development process is really three things, innovation, quantification, orchestration. So we're doing innovation, quantification, and orchestration continuously. We're doing it in the job, we're doing it in the practice, we're doing it in the business, we're doing it in the enterprise. That's producing information, which we can then turn into real action. Because obviously, what we're calling an innovation is only an innovation when it produces a superior result. When it doesn't, it isn't an innovation. It's simply a change. We're not interested in change. We're interested in improvement. So the driver in every little company is improvement, 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 improvement. But I can't improve it unless I can see it. And if I can't see it, then I don't have the means to grow it. And so whatever is required in our turnkey management system to enable us to do that is what will be in it. Now, ultimately, Dave, as you can understand, over these next couple of years, we will have turnkeyed that turnkey management system. We will have turnkeyed that turnkey leadership system so there'll be no need for anybody to develop one. It will be right there, ready and able to be used in every company on the face of the planet. So the, the big objective of that particular management system really is to get visibility. And that visibility then enables you to innovate, but then actually see whether or not that innovation has had a positive impact on improving the whole goal here of you know building something that's scalable in the client fulfillment system and then the lead acquisition system and making sure that as we do this, nothing starts to break. You got it. Yep. And you see why that's important. Yep. Yeah, because without that, I can't manage it. And if I can't manage it, I can't sell it. You understand if I can't quantify it, if I can't demonstrate, if I can't validate the actual performance of this machine that I'm creating, I call it a machine, not in the derogatory way, but in the truly inspired way. If I can't demonstrate, um, quantify numerically what the profound capability of this is, then the likelihood of getting top dollar for it is limited. Our job is to build the system, design the system and build it and launch it and grow it and test it and validate it, all in preparation, Dave, for ultimately being acquired. So you understand the job of a great entrepreneur is to create a company that is a great acquisition if they ever wish to be acquired. And then the whole notion of a serial entrepreneur really then bears significance because now there's a turnkey methodology for growing a stunningly successful company. That final step, um, which I suppose is the point at which you're now thinking about selling when you get to the enterprise and effectively now we've, 
you've got seven franchise prototypes. Now we're saying effectively you need seven businesses, which obviously a business is has seven franchise prototypes, or not prototypes. Are they still prototypes? Would you consider them prototypes all the way? You've kind of proven it at that well, point. Wait, wait a second, though. You have to understand that the business is a franchise prototype. You've got to understand that the enterprise is a franchise prototype. Gotcha. When we go back to the conversation, the metaphorical conversation about McDonald's, the business is a district. The enterprise is a region. We've now built out a district and replicated it successfully to create a region, which is now scalable to create other regions. And then you can begin to see the significance of that. We have a franchise prototype for exponential growth. And we have demonstrated that at every level, from the job to the practice, to the business, to the enterprise. So the buyer of the company is going to say, well, prove it to me, prove it to me. We say, yeah, we already have. Let me show you the numbers. Let me show you the numbers. Let me show you the numbers. Let me show you that you can replicate this region at will. And then it just becomes, in the eyes of the person buying, we are buying a money printing machine, which then obviously makes it very valuable. You got it. Not dependent upon Dave, not dependent upon Michael, not dependent upon Mary, not dependent upon anybody, but dependent upon the turnkey system that we have demonstrated works to produce exponentially greater results, to grow it at will. Suddenly we're able to do something, Dave, we've only hungered to do, but never could see through. We've seen through it. We're now doing it. And I'm inviting every single person who's got a will to come and experience our way. I think what makes this way quite powerful is that because it is set out in a linear fashion, uh, it enables the entrepreneur, the business owner who notoriously loses focus and jumps on the next latest and greatest and whatever the shiny object is, um, having a process to know, okay, well, I know where I'm up to in this process. I know what I should be focusing on. And then once, okay, I've got that in place, it's easier to then move to that next step, which which then Absolute. ends up delivering the result. Yep. No more shiny objects, Dave. No more, oh, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. No more, how do I get more customers? How do I get more customers? No more abstractions. Purely pragmatic. You become an engineer of a growth enterprise. And the steps and the process for doing that are completely thought through. So all somebody has to do is say, I want to, meaning I want to create a great company. I want to create a company that can scale. I want to create a company that ultimately can be sold, will be acquired, because it does what it does in such an exceptionally scalable way that I know that the guy who's going to buy my company is going to want to know that it can be scaled. And to actually hand him the system that does it and it's doing it every single day, wow. What an extraordinary gift. Perfect. I think, yeah, this is one of those audios that the listener will be able to listen to a 
couple of times and each time they'll glean something different depending on where they are in the process. So it's something to kind of keep them on track. There's going to be another couple of topics and I know we've probably got another couple of calls lined up and we can drill into some things around the building a business for sale that for a lot of business owners is just a scary proposition also what you're you know very well known for around the systems side of things um, so there's probably a few more podcasts but i think we should wrap this one because i feel like we've now gone through the beyond the e-myth process like that is the eight steps to grow from a company of one to a company of a thousand so um, i don't know michael if there's anything in the tail end of this call you wanted to cover or we can just continue in our next call well i think i think we've done a great job, Dave, and I truly, truly appreciate it. What I do want to remind everybody who's listening, and that is to organize Old Co. so that it doesn't take a lot of time and attention from the owner. To organize Old Co. while at the same time inventing New Co. So I call it a Two Co. strategy. T-W-O-C-O strategy. That is getting old co organized so it can do what it's there to do without putting a lot of energy, time and capital in it, which is liberating me to focus my attention on new co, which is where all of this great growth energy is produced and comes into play. And in the process of doing that, you're able to satisfy two very elemental needs. In short, got to make a living while you're doing all this stuff. Well, in order to make a living while you're doing all this stuff, Old Co. needs to be able to do what it's supposed to do um, as effortlessly as possible. So we want to get that system in place. But at the same time, we're not going to expect that Old Co. is going to be converted into New Co. It's like you don't create a better mousetrap by fixing the old one. So instead of fixing the old mousetrap, while we've got to do that just so to keep it working, we're going to create a new one. And that new one is what I call new co. And the whole process of old co, new co is what I call two co, which is effectively the entirety of what we do when we bring a client aboard. Michael, thank you so much for this call. We definitely covered a lot of ground and I think that'll round out the picture for a lot of people. Wonderful, Dave. Thank you. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.